I don't participate in the national debate anymore. Because the one thing I've never heard anyone say is, I stand corrected. The only minds we have control over changing is our own. The very best we can hope with others is to inspire them. And the most effective way to inspire is with love, authenticity, and by creating in an environment where people are willing to listen to what you have to say. If you're tired of all the blaming and political gridlock, if you're tired of waiting around hoping others will solve society's problems, if you're ready to take simple steps to make lasting change, you've come to the right place. Ready to be inspired? This is the Stakeholder Enterprise. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy. On this episode, we're going to learn about Jay Cohen Gilbert, the founder and former CEO of a major basketball apparel company who turned all of his efforts and attention toward stakeholder capitalism and how he became the de facto leader of this movement. We're also going to discover how he forged a path for big business corporations to adopt and implement stakeholder capitalism in their business model. You may have heard of the term evil corporation. Well, corporations aren't inherently evil. They are simply fulfilling their purpose. Their purpose is profit. And they have a responsibility to their shareholders. They have something called a fiduciary duty, which is a fancy way of saying to make as much money as possible. Traditional for-profit corporations, they don't have a responsibility to their employees. They don't have a responsibility to the environment. They don't have a responsibility to the customers they serve. Because if they had these responsibilities, it would be in conflict of their fiduciary duty, which they are legally bound by. Because of this lack of responsibilities, conflicts arise. Throughout history, Traditional for-profit corporations have not paid their employees a fair living wage or provided a safe work environment for them to be in. This has led to union formation. Unions have been successful in getting companies' employees a fair living wage and have made sure that their members have a safe work environment. Unfortunately, when corporations are faced with its employees unionizing, they often will just leave the country and take the jobs with them. They'll go to a corrupt country where there is cheap labor and no threat of union formation. On top of that, unions don't have a responsibility to the company's customers, and they don't have a responsibility to the environment. They only have a responsibility to the members of the union. What if there was a corporate structure that in its DNA had a responsibility to its employees that paid them 
a fair living wage and provided a safe workplace. When it comes to the environment, it's often in companies' best interest to dump industrial waste illegally because it will increase their profits. These corporate practices have led to environmental laws and the Environmental Protection Agency. However, these laws are incredibly difficult to enforce, and the EPA just doesn't have the resources to be able to monitor every company. The corporations that dump industrial waste know this about the EPA, so they continue to illegally pollute, knowing that if they do get caught, their profits would more than make up what they would lose to an environmental fine. To them, it's just a cost of doing business. What if there was a corporate structure that in its DNA had a responsibility to the environment by including the three objectives of the circular economy? To design out waste and pollution, to keep products in use, and to regenerate natural systems. When it comes to providing a safe product or service for its customers, traditional for-profit corporations, they don't have a responsibility to their customers. Think about cigarettes, oxycotton, social media. The companies that produce these products and services, they knew that they were harmful for you. And yet they sold them anyways, which resulted in suffering, loss of life, and massive lawsuits. And once again, because of the traditional for-profit purpose, it's actually cheaper to settle the lawsuits than to produce a safe product or service in the first place. What if there was a corporate structure that in its DNA had a responsibility to the customers they served. Right now, corporations and regulations are playing a cat-and-mouse game. Whenever a new law gets passed, traditional for-profit corporations will try and find a way around it. They have a fiduciary duty to do so. What if there was a corporate structure that in its DNA had a responsibility to their employees, their customers, their vendors and suppliers, the environment, the community they serve, to all of their stakeholders, including their investors and shareholders. Enter J. Cohen Gilbert. His journey to create a new corporate structure based on stakeholder capitalism began on September 11th, 2001. At that time, Cohen Gilbert was the founder and CEO of the basketball apparel company and one. That day, his sister had to be rescued from debris in downtown Manhattan. And just four days after that, his father died from cancer. And only two weeks following that, one of his and one employees was killed in a car accident. These events for J. Cohen Gilbert, and I quote, that triggered a pretty intensive period of reflection 
on what's the highest and best use of my life." End quote. This period of reflection culminated at his friend and business partner Bart Houlihan's house on New Year's Day in 2005. He told him how he wanted to create a new corporate structure based on stakeholder capitalism. Houlihan's response, dude, what are you talking about? Cohen Gilbert realized this was the first time he said this out loud to anybody. And to drop this news on a New Year's Day party without any warning certainly explained his friend's initial reaction. Houlihan was on board, though, and together they sold their company and won a few months later. The pair picked up impact investor Andrew Cassoy, and the three of them together founded the nonprofit organization B Lab the following year. The B Lab gives businesses who qualify B Corporation certification. So, what exactly is a certified B Corporation? The founding trio came up with the Declaration of Interdependence to both clarify and solidify not only what B corporations are, but what they stand for. This is their declaration. As B corporations, we believe that we must be the change we seek in the world, that all businesses ought to be conducted as if people and place mattered, that through their products, practices, and profits, businesses should aspire to do no harm and benefit all. To do so requires that we act with the understanding that we are each dependent upon another and thus responsible for each other and future generations. To become a certified B Corporation, there are three requirements. The first one is performance. Companies must take a comprehensive impact assessment to evaluate their overall positive impact to all of their stakeholders. The second one is a legal requirement, which gives legal protection to directors and officers to consider the interests of all stakeholders, not just shareholders, when making decisions. It creates additional rights for shareholders to hold directors and officers accountable to consider these interests and limits these expanded rights to shareholders exclusively. This releases a company from its fiduciary duty so that business no longer has to make profit at the expense of humanity. Now, in many states, companies are unable to legally amend their bylaws to reflect the B Corp's legal requirement. This did not deter the founders of the B Lab. Instead, working with a team of lawyers, they created a new type of corporate entity called the Benefit Corporation. 38 states, including the District of Columbia, have passed legislation allowing the Benefit Corporation legal status in their state, while enjoying an almost 90% approval rating on all votes from legislators in both parties. The last requirement is transparency. All companies must agree to share their impact report 
publicly on the website bcorporation.net. Companies must also agree to background checks and site visits, which is critical in maintaining the credibility of the certified B Corp seal. At the time of this recording, there are over 4,000 certified B corporations in more than 70 countries throughout 150 industries. Chances are you've probably purchased something from a certified B corporation. Some recognizable companies are Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's. In 2018, Dan in North America became the first multi-billion dollar company to receive certified B Corp status. This set a precedent for other Fortune 500 companies to follow. In this limited series podcast, we learned how social enterprises can lift people out of poverty and give us meaning and purpose in our work lives. And as consumers, we can all help by simply purchasing products and services from a social enterprise. We're not going to end poverty by selling brownies. But what if a company like Amazon adopted a business model like the Grayston Bakery? What about Facebook? Imagine how that would benefit our entire planet. With Impact Investing, we learned That in capitalism, it matters where we invest our capital. Do we want to continue to invest in traditional corporations that perpetuate income inequality or invest in the American individual where the average citizen could help out other average Americans and obtain wealth at the same time? The circular economy demonstrates that both established and startup companies have a path to be more profitable by being environmentally responsible. We can all profit from this by investing in the people and companies that create disruptive technologies that make environmental responsibility the standard way of doing business. Community development financial institutions create positive systemic financial structures that give the disenfranchised and vulnerable populations the tools to help themselves achieve the American dream. And anyone with $10 to spare can help build and maintain these important structures while receiving a financial return at the same time. And by all of us adopting stakeholder capitalism, we can serve the interests of all stakeholders and not just shareholders. And by doing so, not only will it help with the long-term success of any business, but the long-term success of humanity. So what is the result in participating in any of these peer-to-peer solutions? For me, It's given me hope, hope that the light side of capitalism has turned the tide on the dark side, hope for the movement started by big business CEOs alongside with social entrepreneurs that reject the idea of shareholder primacy 
and embrace the idea that businesses should be a force for good, knowing that it's in their own self-interest to have a free market economy that looks out for the well-being of others and our planet. Hope that I too can be a part of this movement by observing the bias in the investment advisory industry towards the stock market and corporate bottom line, I can be the change I wish to see in the world by starting my own firm that promotes the bottom line for all stakeholders. Hope that future generations will live in an economy that's prosperous for us all, where we are too busy exchanging goods services, and love, that there will be no room for theft, violence, or hatred. My name is Paul Lovejoy. Thanks for joining me. Stakeholder Enterprise is a limited series podcast and an activist investment advisory firm. Our mission? To create a community of financial activists and to guide them into reforming our unjust financial system by being the change they wish to see in the world, so that the generation being born today will have a market-based economy that looks out for the well-being of ourselves, each other, and our planet's finite resources. If you'd like to discover the three steps to reform our unjust financial system legally, ethically, and without confrontation, visit stakeholderenterprise.com. This concludes the limited series podcast. These last three episodes, as I mentioned before the social enterprise episode, I really wanted to improve upon, but I didn't have the time to dedicate myself to do that. And I really wanted to finish this series, so I decided to release these last three episodes as is. If you enjoyed this series, I encourage you to check out my new podcast called The Crowd Effect, where I ask the question, how can regular working citizens like us, how can we reform our unjust financial system to erode the wealth and power of big banks, traditional corporations, and the super rich, and redistribute that wealth and power to average working citizens without relying on politicians or regulations? I ask that question and attempt to answer it on every show. New episodes drop four days a week, Monday through Thursday. P.S. I am a crowd investor and I see you are one too.